0: Okay, so as I said at the beginning, it is good to be back, I uh, almost say after the summer, but summer's not over, is it? So uh, we've still got some nice weeks ahead of us, but it is good to be back among the church family. And I wanted to um, just really, if you like, kick us off. We're going to be uh, meeting around the Lord's table uh, very soon, uh, but of a, way as, uh, a way of uh, introducing that, uh, recognising where our confidence comes from. Uh, Confidence, uh, to me, seems to be lacking in the world. A lot of people struggling with insecurity and anxiety and uh, not really knowing where their confidence is coming from. And really, the only, as a Christian, the only acknowledgement I can have is to say, well, my confidence has to be in and come from God. If it's in myself, uh, I can let myself down. If it's in others, they could let me down. Uh, But if it's in God, he never lets me down. Ever, he's never let me down at all, and I would I would hazard a guess that if you really look back at your life, uh, even when sometimes the answers aren't what you necessarily wanted, uh, that he's never really let you down. And in, and as uh, as Gary mentioned, you know we're the valley place uh, apparently here, and it's often when we're in those valley times that God really meets with us, uh, as the old uh, Christians used to say, the dark night of the soul, uh, when you've been through really bad situations, and you're at the lowest of the low, and you're maybe even questioning God exists, it's then that you hold on to your faith by your fingertips, and as you look back uh, in months ahead, and you think, well, how did I get through that? And you think, well, my confidence could have only come from God. He sustained me, and he didn't let me go. So I'm going to read from Jeremiah uh, 17, verses 7 and 8, and, um, and we'll just work through them briefly, and really to send you out into the world having confidence, having confidence and trust in God. Um, but let me read these verses to you. It's only two verses, so I'll just read them out and I'll keep alluding to them. So you don't necessarily have to have them in front of you, but if you do, Jeremiah 17, verse seven to eight. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its, out its roots by the stream. Does not fear when heat comes. Leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So those words were written somewhere around 2600 years ago and they were God's word then to the people of Judah who were in rebellion and they were about to be conquered by the Babylonians uh, yet later on we know that Jeremiah uh, says well look well, Jeremiah says that God says, for, don't, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. So he's always God calling his people back, even in rebellion, but certainly uh, when this word was written 2,600 years ago, it had a massive impact on the people, but also has a massive impact on us today. So God's word 2,600 years ago, it's God's word to us this morning. And Jeremiah himself ministered to under uh, five kings, uh, his ministry went, and he's constantly warning About God's judgment, constantly warning them not to uh, rebel. But they did rebel and eventually were conquered by the Babylonians in 586 BC. And the world rebels, doesn't it? The world we're living now. You know, nothing new under the sun. The world rebels against God. Increasingly, it seems to me, when I look at the world's values and the Christian values, uh, the world is attacking uh, the Christian values. And sometimes even we rebel. You know, it's hard to uh, say that, but I know I rebel sometimes. And I'm sure you rebel. Maybe as a church we rebel. Sometimes, you know, we're trying to do things for God, but oh, I'm not sure I want to do that. You it's a bit uncomfortable. We're in rebellion. And actually, when we believe we've heard God's word and we hear God's word, we need to do God's word. And a true Christian, I said this a few weeks ago, a true Christian is not one who necessarily says, oh, I better do this because I'm obeying God's rules. Um, I don't want to break the rules. It's more a Christian, I just really don't want to break God's heart. And it's a heart. It's a new heart that the prophecies were from the prophets. I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new heart. And we'd want to do his will because we want to please him. So there's new terms and there's new challenges. This is a new term uh, for us. New starts, maybe increased anxiety, maybe new jobs, maybe leaving a job. All sorts of things going on. And the anxiety and stress that's in the world is tangible. You know, young people suffer from this increasingly. A huge amount of pressure on them, but it's pressure on you as well. It's pressure on me. Who am I going to trust? Am I I going to put my trust in myself and have confidence in myself? But my emotions go up and down. Or will I put my trust and confidence in God? If I asked you a question, this is a really easy question, I know you're all going to have the right answer. That's how, it's like school started already, isn't it? Who wants to be blessed this morning? There's quite a few depressives among you, I have to say. I can't imagine any of you don't want to be blessed. So who wants to be, any, all right, let's do it this way. Who doesn't want to be blessed this morning? Okay. Some people just don't like raising their hand, because some people didn't raise their hand to any of those questions. Of course, we all want to be blessed, don't we? I mean, we, want to, we seek God's face, and we want God's blessing. And I believe, because I, look, I read my Bible, that God wants to bless you. See, we think God is against us. I mean, in our rebellion, he's calling us back to him. He may use judgment, but he loves us. We're just saying that. Majesty. I believe that God wants to bless you. He loves you. He made you. Why would he make you if he didn't want to bless you? Why would you make children if we didn't want to look after them and see them flourish and be nourished and sent them out into the world? And We love it when they're happy. No one here likes it when their kids are unhappy, do they? You know, we, like, we want our children to be happy. Sometimes they rebel, and we have to make them unhappy. And we don't enjoy that, but it's to really see them flourish in the world. He has a plan and purpose for you. Any Fleetwood Mac fans here? Alan, you've got to be a Fleetwood Mac fan, being a musician. No, oh, no. Oh, sorry. Fleetwood Mac. And what did that work? My favourite Fleetwood Mac song. What do you think it is? We could be here a while. We've got communion, so I can't... I'm going to tell the answer very quickly. You can go your own way. That's what they sang, didn't they? You see, God has a plan and purpose for our lives. And he has the Bible, and he shows us what to do, and he, sometimes he breaks our hearts, give us a new heart to follow him. But all the time, we can go our own way, if we want. And that's what the nation of Judah did when Jeremiah was writing these verses. We don't want to go our own way. We want to go God's way. The world is going its own way, and the world is failing. We want to go God's way. God is always searching, always seeking, always looking for you. He loves you that much. He loves you so much. When I was younger, nearly went into a Beatles song then. Remember help when I was younger? So much younger than today. Never needed anybody's help in any way. Well, I used to think that. That's not even in my sermon. I just made that up. <laughs> Trying to think of the next line. I can't get it. No, don't worry. It's Anyway, when I was younger, I trusted my parents. I had to. I was, you know, like this, maybe. I'm not sure. You have to trust your parents. Total reliance, right? When you're a baby, you have total reliance on your parents. Don't you? And as I grew up a little bit, I thought they've got it all worked out. Parents are brilliant. They give me stuff. If I really, really keep asking for it and get annoying, they give me more stuff. It's brilliant. They feed me. They clothe me. And I thought they had it all worked out. And then suddenly I became a parent. And I realised that parents don't have all the answers. They're just trying to get through life doing the best they can. And they are certainly, if you look at my example, not infallible. And when I look back now sometimes, I think, why did they let me do that? You know, and probably if your parents here, you know. You know, it's by the grace of God, we're just doing the best we can do, but we don't get it right all the time. So my parents, I want to be very careful, they would have let me down sometimes. Or trusted friends. You know, I remember at the school holidays, I remember being best mates with somebody over summer, and we we just saw each other every day, we were climbing trees, doing all the good stuff. And then the first day back at school, I was threatened physically by a group of lads, and he joined in. And I thought, I've just had six weeks with you going up branches on trees. I thought, I can't trust my friends. In city life, uh, I I know loads of people in broken and city life, and I called a lot of them friends. I can count on one hand those who stay in touch. As soon as you're out of the picture, it's not really, so I can't trust that necessarily. Maybe I can trust my career. Uh, There wasn't a lot of money around when I was younger, so I was quite driven, I was eager to succeed at all costs. But that dream fails in the end and leads to discontentment and shallowness. All these things, in a sense, parents, friends and careers aren't bad, but if you put your trust and confidence in them, they're not infallible and they can go wrong. This passage says, if you want to be blessed... There's two things you must do. And the first one in verse 7, you must trust in God. Trust in the Lord, is what the verse says. There came in a point in my life where I can say, well, I'll trust my parents, I'll trust my friends, trust my career, maybe even trust the church. But there comes a point in my life when I have to say, well, I choose, and I choose to trust God. And he's the one I can really, really trust. Trust that I had a purpose. Later on, as I've said, Jeremiah says in 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you. God has a plan for us. That's amazing. So whatever fears or anxieties you're getting, God has a plan, and he's asking you to trust in him. Don't trust in the world, trust in him. I have to trust that I have a destiny, you have to trust you have a destiny. Ultimately, if you're a Christian, your destiny is with him. If you're not, it's not, and you need to do something about it, which is why. Kevin stole my alphabet, he's put them down there. Bring back Ian, or Bear. This is why we run Alphas, because we want people to know that there is a destiny for all of us. But we want that destiny to be with God. So it's on all of us to invite people and let them hear that great message. I trust that we've got a message that God honours, because it's his message. It's his message. I trust that God saved me, but he he also loved the world so much, he sent his son for the world. For the world. Think about that. The world. There's only about a third of them in his kingdom right now. So that's two-thirds or not. Yet he sent his son to save the world. That whoever believes in him never dies. So I don't know what stresses and strains you're going through. God does, and he asks you to trust him. He's saying to you, look, trust me. You can go and try and do it all in your own strength. And of course you have to act uh, positively and do things, but remember to trust him. He will see you through. You're, you've all made it this far. I used, to think, I used to think I wasn't going to live very long when I was little, mainly because I was up trees most of my life. I lived near Berwick Ponds. And I look at those trees now, and it fills me with, oh, I'd never let my kids go up. But, but, but here I am. You just sung that. Here I am. And somehow God gets you through. And you often look back in those really tricky times, and you remember you cried out to God, and sometimes deep darkness, and he rescues you. Proverbs 3, 5-6, to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, all your heart, not just the bits that you think are safe, all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, because he gets the glory, and he will make your path straight, he gets all the glory, so we trust in him. The other thing I used to trust in was my own confidence, people think I'm a confidence sort of fellow, I suppose I'm in some ways, but not as confident as you might think. But when I was younger at school, the school I went to, your reputation was built on whether you were good at football or good at fighting. I was good at neither, but I tried my best at both. And you'd get a reputation. So you wanted, you wanted to, you know, you think, well, my confidence will be in that those two abilities. That was the school I went to. There was a bit of academic stuff went on as well. Um, then I thought, well, maybe my career. I'll put my confidence in my career. The appearance of knowing uh what I was doing. I remember going for my first ever interview. I don't know if I've told you this or not, but I'm gonna tell you again in case you've forgotten. But I went for this interview and I left school. I was working in the supermarket and I was going to join the army and my dad wouldn't sign the forms. I wanted to join the police but I was five foot six and they wouldn't let me in. They're not allowed to do that anymore. It was five foot eight you had to be and even then it was a bit touch and go. Um, but so I couldn't get in the police. I thought well I'll join the army. So I went to the Army Careers, got the forms, my dad said, well you know I'm not gonna sign them for you yet but give it another year. So I i got to do saying I've always wanted to wear a suit. You can see how much I thought this out. And I thought, to wear a suit, because where I came from, nobody wore suits, um, not even the teachers. And I thought, if I'm going to wear a suit, I need to work in London. So I got, uh, got this interview uh, at this firm in London, and the, uh, the, the, the agency said, they're a stock-jobbing firm. I said, brilliant, thank you very much. And uh, I still had my economics book uh, from my... Uh, school, which some of you would say I stole, I didn't, I just forgot to take it back it was still in my home, so I looked up the index thing, because this is pre-Google, so I looked up the index, it said stock jobber I thought that would do me, so I looked it up, Page 67 stock jobbers are the wholesalers in the equity market, I thought that's great so I went for the interview, and I still remember this girl, Shared my surname, very posh though, not like me, uh, Kate Smith, she was 24 I was 16, fell in love straight away <laughs> I was never returned and she said to me, "What do you know about stock jobbing?" I said, "They are the wholesalers in the equity market." She said, "Very good." I thought, "I hope she doesn't ask me any other questions. <laughs> I don't know any other thing." I got home. I got home. My dad said, "You've got the job. You've got the job." I couldn't believe it, right? And so it was all based on like smokes and mirrors, right? I didn't know what I was doing. But then, as time goes on, my character, you know, to be a trader, you have to be brash and aggressive and overbearing. And I have to tell you, you might argue that doesn't come naturally to me. You have to try and try and. You know, cultivate that. You had to. And then I've got a good reputation. That was good. And I was known as fearless and aggressive and good at my job. And then I started working with someone. His name's Dave. Uh, he's still around. He's in New York now. He runs Deutsche Bank sales trading desk. And Destin. we used to sit next to each other. And he was really good. He was really good. And, and I was doing all right as well. And we used to do these big trades. We'd put them to, up together in a dinner. We would 200 traders. And we stood do them between ourselves, all sneaky. And, um, and then everyone else would find out later. And, and I was in awe of him to be honest. But I found out later on, he was in awe of me. And we both thought the other was better than ourselves. And then I went to this wedding and his wife was there. And she said to me, how are you getting on with Dave? I said, oh, he's so good. She goes, oh, he's so insecure. He thinks you're much better than him. He thinks he's going to get found there. Any day he's not as good as everyone thinks he is. Hit me like a stream, steam train because that's exactly how I felt. I was putting confidence in myself and not in God. It was all false confidence, all bravado, all smoke and mirrors, hiding the insecurity and among all the success, a sense of being a failure because I was putting confidence in myself and not in God. And the trust has to be from God. The confidence has to come from God. And this passage says that to be blessed, we have to trust and have confidence in the Lord. One of my biggest challenges where I was stripped bare was when I left the city and trained for ministry. I went to Spurgeon's uh, Baptist Theological College. Now, when I was in the city, my opinion was valued. Uh, I knew what I was doing. People asked me uh, what to do. When I started at Spurgeon's, they didn't even know my name. couldn't care less what I thought. I was stripped bare. I was no better or worse than anybody else. There was no reputation. And unlike school, I couldn't gain that by having a fight because you were not thrown out of Bible college. It wasn't a done thing. (laughs) I wasn't sure I could handle the academic side. I'd left school 18 years earlier at 16 with five O levels. More importantly, I was concerned mainly about my character. I knew that I was brash and aggressive. Don't cross me because I won't forget it if you do. I had no confidence in myself and I felt unworthy and I was stripped bare. But over time and with prayer and coming to God, God works uh, on you and he works on me and he's still working on me. He put in me, as Ezekiel prophesied, a new heart a new spirit, and I had to trust him that he would do that. And then, of course, uh, well not of course, not everyone makes it, but I got ordained and now I'm going to lead a church, lead God's people. How on earth am I going to do that? Why do I think I can speak to these people? But I knew I'd been called. I knew I'd been called. And it was time to trust and have confidence in God. So put my confidence in Him and not myself. And He got me through and He'll get you through in all the different things that you do time and time again. And I look back and think, well, how did we get through that? I think, oh, it's great though, because God was with us. We didn't recognize it at the time, but He was with us. And I won't make that same mistake again. But I'll tell you right now, being honest, I stand here and look to the future and I think, how are we going to do that? And I forget. My trust and confidence must come in God and so must yours. My confidence isn't in myself. It's in him. Listening, learning, adapting. Confidence to move forward. My last church uh, I was at, a good church, uh, but it needed modernising when I got there. There was about 30 people in there and um, I remember stopping the service once because they, they weren't singing. I said, look, think of the words. Can we just at least sing them? Let's start again. And we needed to change attitude and change the worship style. The preaching, we had to make more relevant. And then once we got that in place, we looked at our building. And we said, our building is not, is not built for mission. It's old. It's not welcoming. As soon as you walked in the front doors, there's a big wooden barrier. I mean, I can't believe it now, but it was. You had to go through these two side doors. So as soon as someone opened the front door, there was a barrier. And it's such a barrier between people and God sometimes, from them, not, not from God. So I thought, well, let's take, let's take that barrier out and make it all glass. People said, we don't want glass. People might walk past the church and see in. I said, well, what's wrong with that? Well, they'll see us singing. I said, well, don't worry about it. And actually, it did become a problem, because when I was preaching, I could see out, you see, and all you lot were facing this way, and every now and again, someone would wave, and then, because everybody would do this. <laughs> Look back and I say, go invite him in, get them in. Anyway, so we changed that. We didn't want to be a barrier. And then uh, we said, well, we need, we need the organ out because we don't play that properly. In the pulpit, all that does is hold a projector. So we don't need it in the pews. That means our biggest room can't be used for mission during the week. The entrance, we want to use it for mission. We want to invite the drama group in and be known as the community church, which they do. We want to start a coffee morning because among our older folk, loneliness was the issue. In stock, wealth is not really much the, a problem. It's the loneliness... And we want to run alphas, but we need, a, you know, we need to be able to use our premises. And we talked about it and sought God in it for two years. And even I was bored at the end of it. We didn't do any of it, and then it all—it was just too much. And, and we thought, how, "How are we going to do this?" We had to lower the stage to cut the top off the baptistry, so the musicians went from there to there because we run out of room. How are we going to do it? And we just tied ourselves in knots. But then you approach God with trust and confidence. And God really did speak to me in my spirit, and he says, just start, do one thing. And three weeks later we got a sledgehammer and the pulpit was there, and we just tore down the pulpit, not because I'm disrespectful about the word of God. In fact, uh, he's died now, Russell Warden, Reverend Russell Warden, he said, "Let me, let me do the first one. I thought I was going to find a few dead Baptist ministers under there from previous, but they weren't. So we knocked the pulpit down, we made a start once and it, I'm doing it there it was here effectively so we knocked it down then we said ok now we can lower the stage let's get on with the stage and it was all we need surveyors reports it's a load bearing wall and bless him Jeremy Coulter's came and he said I'll do that for you next weekend no problem cut the top off did it it was great we made a start then we changed all the side bits then we took the organ out couldn't sell the organ everyone said oh everyone's going to miss the organ we couldn't give it away we did it in the end actually one of our members took it he took the pews as well I think he built his own church in his backyard <laughs> But we had to have confidence in moving forward with him. And once we'd done that, the mission of the church, we grew. The church tripled. We were the fastest growing church in EBA. And everything was going well. And, and then as we sought the Lord, as I sought the Lord, I felt God say, having trust and confidence in him, like, right, what's next? Because we'd gone through it. It took five years in total. Uh, what's next? And he said, oh, now it's time to be. You've done. You've been doing stuff. And now it's time to be. Just be the people of God. But one of my leaders really struggled with that. He said, what's the vision? Oh, the vision is to be. It's just we've got to just be. God is growing the church. He said, no, but we need vision. I said, that is the vision. We've got to be and sit at the feet of Jesus. And it really caused a lot of angst. But I knew. I knew. I said, we're growing. God is doing the work. And it wasn't enough for him. But the confidence has to remain with God. I knew that the psalmist wrote that unless the Lord builds the house, it's built in vain. I knew that the vision that we've had was being fulfilled. Confidence and trust in God. And So I just want you to think for a moment about the challenges you're facing now. Maybe you think you can't make a start. And maybe you think that the term, oh, so much happening, or the new job, or uh, new baby, or or maybe children leaving the home, whatever the new start is, put your trust and your confidence in God. And then, the Bible says, verse 8, you'll be blessed. Like a tree planted by the water, full of nourishment and life. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 10, that he came, that we might have life in all its fullness. It doesn't mean we don't have stresses and struggles, but it means we can draw our our energy, our sustenance from him, like the tree does by the stream. It will never need watering. It's got a constant supply of water when the heat comes or drought for us that's our challenges they do come we can't change that but we can change the way we react it says it does not fear and we say we stand with Christ when those challenges come I will stand with Christ God has you and I want to tell you this this morning God has you he's got you he holds you he nourishes you and he wants to bless you and he wants you to trust him he wants you to have confidence in him as you go out into the world. Trust in him. Put your confidence in him. We sing often. We have a hope that is steadfast and certain. It's only found in Christ. All your fears, go to Christ. All the storms that might come upon you, go to Christ. All the anxieties of the world, go to Christ. All your passions and dreams, go to Christ. With your sin, your wrongdoings, he's paid for it. In your life, you can stand with him. He gives you the power of his spirit. If you have guilt, you can give it to him. You're not to have condemnation anymore. That's what we celebrate here. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Trust and confidence. I'd I'd ask you to make it your new term resolution. That whatever life throws at you, uh, which it will, because stuff happens. We live in a sinful world. People do things that are not of God. And we choose to go our own way. Put your trust and your confidence in him. Let's pray. I thank you Lord for those words and easier to say and preach than it is actually to do and it's often when we look back we think you've got us safe thus far. But I pray for all of us here that we will be a people full of faith. We've We've witnessed recently what that can do. And I pray Lord for everybody here whatever they're suffering with whatever their anxieties are whatever their dreams and visions are that they put all their trust and all their confidence in you. And then, Lord, we just look forward to seeing what you do through them, immeasurably more than we can think of or imagine. I pray your blessing on everyone here. Fill them afresh with your spirit, Lord, and send them out into the world. In Jesus' name, amen.